0: Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast. Um, As a little bit of a reminder, we are a leadership podcast, but we're also uh, a nutrition and wellness podcast, kind of tying the two together because our mission is to cultivate confidence through leadership and wellness. So, today's episode is especially heavy on the nutrition and wellness and fitness specifically side of things because I had the honor and privilege of chatting with Cynthia Montilione. She is a certified metabolic analytics practitioner. Um so she she works with clients all the time and she also has a passion for helping others achieve health and happiness by finding their ultimate superhero self. I absolutely love that. She is a wife, she's a mom of three, and she is also a multiple national champion and a world champion sprinter. So interesting story there. When winning the gold, she actually ran faster at age 43 than she did as a division one collegiate track athlete. So there is quite the story there that we are fortunate enough to hear more about. In this conversation, one of my favorite takeaways was actually how she defines a leader As someone who is really just being true to themselves and not bending to the pressure that surrounds all of us to act like someone we aren't. And I also really love how she tied leadership and wellness together by pointing out that when we are well, or when we are taken care of and functioning optimally, we are better able to make sound decisions. Isn't a leader someone we should be able to look to for sound decision-making? I thought that was a really, really great point among many other nuggets of wisdom she shares. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation. Welcome to today's episode of the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast, where we offer bite-sized lessons and steps that you can implement as a part of your journey towards becoming the very best that you can be. This is your podcast host, Brigida Bornstein, And just so you know, for planning purposes, we release a new episode the first and third Tuesday of every month with some amazing guests. Thank you so much for joining me for today's discussion. I hope you'll return my handshake to you. You can do that through becoming a part of this community on Instagram, my website, bestyoucanbe.com, or by subscribing and leaving helpful comments. Hi Cynthia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so so much for your time today. I'm really really happy to have you.
1: Aloha, thank you for having me on today. I'm excited to um, answer your questions, whatever you have for me, and hopefully inspire some some people.
0: Oh, not hopefully, definitely definitely will inspire some people, um, including me. Before we before we hit record, I, I you know I already told you just how much I respect and admire everything you do, but I have to tell you. There are so many different parts of your life and your character and your mission and your story that I really respect. But one of the things that's always really amazed me um, is how you made this this huge shift to get back into the world of competitive sprinting 20 something years after you hung up your spikes. And I'm really excited about uh, asking you about that later. It's it's kind of one of my later questions. Um, But during that time, kind of a way I guess you became a mom so I was hoping if we could start by having you just introduce us to your family oh yeah so I'm a
1: mom of three and um, my daughter is uh, 17 and then I have two boys and they are um, almost 10 and um, eight and a half and they are, they definitely keep me on my toes. All different personalities, um, just wonderful children. Like my main priority in life is my family, of course, first. Um, and then after that, my passions. Um, yeah. So uh, I didn't run for 20 years. We can get into it later now, whatever. But yeah, my family is, is awesome. my husband, Zane. Of course, he's been coaching wrestling for 20 years, um, over 20 years, but I think it's like four years. Um, and so yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we have a mission to help inspire the youth in our community as well to have you know, ultimate optimal health and wellness. So,
0: I love that. So. I, I can see that it's definitely like a family uh, effort because I guess just from following you on social media, I mean, your kids are very into athletics and into being outdoors as well. So it's definitely um, you've done a good job of making it kind of a cohesive mission. Um, what about a, uh, Could we get a little bit of a snippet into kind of what your morning routine includes maybe?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I wake up around between six and six 30 and I try not to set an alarm, um, because it's better if you, your body can wake up by itself. Sometimes alarms can be a little jarring, especially like, and it's terrible for your neurotransmitters to hit the snooze. So try mm-hmm. not to do that. Um, but I wake up, uh, between 6 and 6.30, the light's just coming out, um, so it's perfect. And um, I start to make breakfast and make a pot of coffee, get that going. I have um, eight ounces at least of water, room temperature with uh, half of a lime and um, sea salt, Hawaiian sea salt or colored sea salt. And that uh, actually sets up, it's kind of like those two things. It's a little bit of a flush, it hydrates you, and it gets your stomach ready to digest proteins with that mm-hmm. little bit of um, lime. L- the liminoids, my, ment- my mentor came up with this. It wasn't me, uh, Charles Polican. And he um, basically figured out that that sets your body up to, for some digestion and then especially proteins. And then I do a handful of whatever protein I have. Uh, I, I prefer red meat, but I don't have red meat every morning. Sometimes it's Um, chicken sausage. Sometimes uh, this morning, I made a a wild Alaskan salmon quiche. Um, I I tend to not do eggs in the morning usually because um, people get stuck in the rut of eggs and you have to eat a lot of eggs to get the amount of protein that you need in the morning. Um, And so I I eat a few bites of food, um, whatever that meat may be. So not maybe a couple of nuts and berries. And then I have, I wait a little bit, a few minutes and I have my coffee after that. So Mm. It's a lot of people make the mistake of um, having their coffee first because they just feel like, oh, I'm so tired.
0: I need tired. The yeah.
1: They train their body that way, but really, to me, that's very mental. Um, there is some physicality of your body anticipating coffee, and actually, you'll get more tired as you smell the coffee before you have it because your body's anticipating the caffeine jack. and then it actually becomes more fatigued before you drink it. you think. Wow. Really yeah, but um, so. Uh, it's best to wait though because I've seen the pattern where people will have the coffee, then they all of a sudden they don't want to eat anything until like noon or one. And um, I am not a fan of intermittent fasting. I believe that it is beneficial for some people, like the morbidly obese. Um, yeah, there's some ways we can we can put in some fasting, and even then, um, my mentor uh, advocated just doing clear their liquids instead of an actual, like no food, no water fast. Mm -hmm. So there are other ways to achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve other than intermittent fasting. And I've had so many clients come to me that I've had to fix female clients, especially not so much male clients, but female clients I've had to fix from intermittent fasting um, because it really disrupts the thyroid in my experience. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, the coffee, I tend to see that that's a pattern in those people that it's, uh, suppresses the appetite. Then they don't eat until like noon or Mm -hmm. one. So I, and that's not what happens after that is then they become hungry later Mm -hmm. in the day and then their body's just, their body's foraging for amino acids and protein all the time. So then they're at the end of their day and they haven't met what their body's asking for protein wise. And they have no energy throughout the day because they've only had this cup of coffee, (laughs) no Mm -hmm. food, no food for fuel. And then at the end of the day, and maybe they've gotten half protein, their body's wanting, and they start binging, Mm -hmm. the bag of chips, the, you know, the ice cream, that's a big one, because they're (sighs) craving the protein, and there's protein and ice cream. So a lot of times when people are craving ice cream after dinner, it's not really the sugar that they want, although sometimes it is partly sugar, it's the protein. So this is a pattern I see, and it starts with the morning
0: routine. So I think the way we start our day is extremely important. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's rare that I kind of have an off, off morning, but it's, y- you can, you can kind of feel it. Um, and it's really interesting about the coffee, especially because I just feel like you're right. There are so many people that start with that and just that, and then they're just riding this roller coaster the rest of the day. And it's like, okay, well now I need more coffee. Okay. Well now I really want a bagel or now I need a Something sweet, a candy bar and coffee again. And it's just goodness. Okay. So yeah, that's a good a little, little
1: nugget. It's neurochemistry. So mm-hmm. if they start their day with coffee, and then maybe they do have, say, um, a bagel or a bowl of oatmeal, even, which some people think is healthy um, because it's a complex carb. But then two hours later, they're craving carbohydrates again because they've mm-hmm. become, they've made themselves carbohydrate adaptive and they need that constant um, sugar. they go up and then they go down and they go up and then they go down that sort of thing and so it's actually a a dopamine release and it's neurochemistry how you start your day so when they eat a bagel or something high carbohydrate in the morning they actually will set their neurotransmitters up to with uh, the serotonin and like uh basically dopamine spike to um release chemicals in their brain that want carbohydrates again a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I would say it's kind of not your fault if you want a donut at 10 a.m because mm-hmm. you've already had point. carbohydrates for breakfast. But it is your fault in the way that you have the choice if you're educated. But let's be honest, most people don't have this education, which is why I like to speak out about it. Instead yes, yep. you get your your morning up with something protein and healthy fat forward, you're going to be more satiated. Um, my mentor uh, Charles cited a study where there was a factory where they made chairs, and they um, they calculated how much production was made if they had a carbohydrate breakfast and then a carbohydrate lunch, or a protein breakfast and a carbohydrate lunch. So they still had a carbohydrate-based lunch, but the protein eaters for breakfast produced something like 40% more chairs during the day. They were more productive. Um, because they had protein for breakfast. So don't we all want to be more productive in our days? Uh
0: absolutely sign me up. <laughs> That's great. Oh my goodness. Um, well, getting into some of the bigger questions, I'm actually gonna start with my favorite. So you you ran it, you ran division one track and field, uh, and then you eventually hung up your spikes. Correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong. And then about 20 or so years later, you returned better than ever, right? to training, um, and competing after having your three children and after starting a business with your husband. And I know that there's so much more to that than meets the eye. I just, there's just no way there isn't. (laughs) So I was wondering if you could just tell us your story there and kind of identify the shift that took place for you to decide to commit yourself to competing again. Cause I'm sure that was a, a big, a big jump.
1: A lot of people ask me about my story, but no one's asked me about how I felt, you know, with the word shift. I love that word because it was a huge shift, worse. course. Um, and I think that's really great because that fits down to the heart of the matter of how you can make that choice. So how did mm-hmm. I make the choice and how can others make that choice? Um, well, uh, I thought track was done when I was done with my college career. I just you know i did run a couple times like i jogged with friends a couple of times like really a handful of times over the next 20 years it was not a lot i thought it was done and then um in my early 30s i went to a gym with a friend and the guy that owned the gym was one of charles's students and he said to me um oh you can run track again and you could probably be just as fast as we were, and I said, "What? That is wow. crazy. There's No way." And I even remember running into my college track coach and telling him, like, "Hey, this guy told me like maybe I can be as fast as I was." And he said, "Oh, that's very difficult." He was like not discouraging me, but he was just like, "Let's be realistic. Like you're in your 30s, you already have one child. Like you know, you it's it's going to be tough." And so I never really really thought about it until I turned 40 and my daughter came to me. She was 11, and she said, "Mom." I want to run track like you did in college. And I said, Oh, wow, that's great. Okay. Well, uh, and she really did like running. So I said, well, let's start uh, up with the track and do a time trial, a 400 minute time trial. We'll see where we're at. And, um, you know, go from there. It was the most painful 400 I ever ran in my life. (laughs) One (laughs) walk around the track, a minute and 30 seconds, which is not very fast. And uh, I like crawled across the finish line, my whole body hurt. It was hard it was not easy so i'm just going to tell you like having the three kids i remember some points telling my friends like it feels like my bones are moving it feels like they're mm-hmm. moving back into place my pelvis my like my bones would ache after running but wow. i know now because of studying that that's because the impact of sprinting and running intensely actually builds your bones people forget that bones are living tissue they're not just concrete structures They actually they grow, and Mm -hmm. we replace our bones every ten years. We generate new bone tissue, every ten years. Every ten years. So if if you know someone who has you know uh, osteopenia, uh, you know any kind of bone related, you know, it's osteopenia comes before osteoporosis. Uh, There are a couple supplements that you can take as well, but they can regenerate their bones. It's not too late. They can build stronger bones. Actually, wrote an article on my website. Uh, it's called build, build better bones. And so it goes really into the depth of all the supplements and different methods. But sprinting is one of the things training intensity as well as weight lifting, uh, strength training that will build better bones. Um, so that's why my bones were feeling like that. Cause I was did nothing like this for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really where it started. And it wasn't easy, but I committed to it for my daughter. She inspired me and I showed up every day. So even though I wasn't good, I, you should see, I have a video of me doing plyometrics the first time with my coach when I was like 40 or 41, I think I was 41, yeah, I was 41 and I couldn't even, I was not even coordinated or strong enough to do plyometrics. I couldn't do tuck jumps. I couldn't mm-hmm. do split squat jumps. I couldn't do it. I was not strong and I was not coordinated <laughs> and I was still holding a lot of uh, body fat. So, um, I just made the commitment to keep showing up and keep doing the work and learning how I could be better. So and I'm still constantly learning. How can I be better? And then I like to share that information with others. So I hope that answers the question. If you if you find yourself in the position where you want to do something like this, um, and I highly recommend sprinting over endurance training. Women, if you're looking for a fitness goal. I really feel I should not be choosing a marathon. It is mm-hmm. not make the optimal hormone balance. I can go through the whole list later if you want. But um, you know, if you choose sprinting. Then know that it's not necessarily easy, but it's worth it and it's worth it for your health. So I hope that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I think sprinting is way more fun anyway. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, Did you, I mean, you you touched on this a little bit, but I want to ask kind of a little bit more intentionally. Did you have, like, what were your fears and hesitations like prior to coming back to start training to then compete? after such a long break and did you know that you would be competing again or did you just say, okay, well, I'll start with training and then see.
1: Yeah. So once we started training, um, I said, okay, well, let's pick something that we can both do. And I found a track meet called the Aloha state games. Um, and we had a little track club. We had some high school kids and some, another older, couple older athletes. And we were like, let's all go fly to Oahu, the other Island and do this track meet this summer. let's train for that and so um that's what we did we all went over there and we again i it was not running really fast or anything like that but um even as slow as i ran i remember still being maybe like fifth or sixth after the college girls and um the other women in the stands were like you have inspired us like you hang with the college girls wow that's amazing you know, and then, wow. you know, fast forward, of course, then I was beating all the college girls, but that, <laughs> took, a lot, that took some time and, and definitely a lot of, if you, know, if you follow me, you know, you see me on the ground a lot <laughs> in my workouts and that's because I have given absolutely everything that I've had that day. I've given every ounce of energy so much is that I, all I want to do is lay down the track. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my choice to give that. And it feels good afterwards when mm-hmm. I do that. And if I don't give that much energy in my workout, then I haven't done it right. Um, in certain workouts, like certain workouts, of course, you're supposed to be rested and short sprints and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But for that really hard core, uh, put the fuel in the tank, strength, speed, endurance workout, um, that's how I know that I've given my all. Um, so yeah, I didn't really have fears for competing because um, it was just going to be a fun thing. There's no pressure. And then um, after that, I thought, okay, well, I want to do the national master's meet. And I went to the master's meet and I came in fourth place. They gave me a fourth place ribbon. And at that point, I said, I never want a ribbon again. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna win next year. And I did, I came back and I won indoor 400, 200. I won outdoor 400, 200. Um, And I just continued to to work hard and, and keep winning. And I would say that because of the nutrition uh, lessons that I learned uh, about timing of eating and what to eat, being with steak before I run. People think it's crazy. <laughs> uh, that sort of thing. I learned that you can actually change your, your distress into eustress. stress. So you, instead of being distressed and nervous before races or nervous about competition, you can actually change that to be excited, which is beneficial to release um, catecholamine to be excited, but what research tells us is that if you're distressed and you have anxiety and you're ruminating about your race or your competition, um, you actually will perform worse. So I make sure not to do that. Having uh, <laughs> high fats in your diet, like, uh, like the good fats, coconut oil, that sort of thing, um, having that will actually create a neurological response where you'll be less stressed. So wow. it won't be stress. Yeah. So I just, I kind of biohacked my way into not being nervous at all so even at my world championship meet that i won i wasn't nervous i was excited i was like all right yeah let's do this and then you know my teammates were like yeah go wonder woman and i'm all hey, okay. <laughs> I'm like oh let's do this yeah like, let's just execute the plan that's what we're doing that
0: that's so rare i i wish i had known more about this when i was running because i i ran d1 for two years and i remember just always feeling tired like I even at a race when you're supposed to be well, I guess most people are nervous energy or whatever I it, I was still trying to figure out you know I had coaches saying like eat you know tons and tons of carbs blah blah yeah. and I would just be like why do I feel tired <laughs> in the starting blocks um, so I think terrible. that's incredible too is paying attention to to what you're what you're having um, yeah. I,
1: yeah. I if I had known now you know then what i know now i think i would have gone further in my i did okay in college but you know i wasn't like i didn't go to the ncaa championships or anything like that you know, definitely didn't think i was going to be doing anything afterwards i wasn't at that level but i wonder you know like because i feel like i definitely um reached my genetic my you know how there's like the, the i call it the raw talent you have the raw genetic talent and then there's all the other environ, environmental things mm. that. Um, so, uh, I think I had, I think I, I really did max out my raw genetic talent. And then as I got back into it and I started learning on biohacks, that's why when I did run that indoor world championships, I ran faster than in my best indoor college time. Wow. So it's because I made different choices and yeah. I changed my environment. So I think I exceeded my genetic, my raw genetic talent by making these epigenetic choices
0: which is encouraging. Cause I think a lot of people look at, um, you know, maybe you specifically to, to be included, just a lot of people will look at successful athletes and think, Oh, well, that's just, that's just them. You know, I'm just going to be stuck here. I, I could never have a future being successful in you know, whatever sport I really love, but there is so much that we can do, which is, which is really amazing. Um, if I had to imagine your training takes up a good portion of your time um, and I'm sort of just, you, well,
1: how, how much do you think I train? What do you think my training schedule looks
0: like? I don't know. I mean, cause honestly, as I'm thinking here, it, it could kind of go both ways. I'm, I'm sure you're extremely efficient with your training schedule and probably incorporate things like, I mean, the hike you guys are going on later today counts for something. Um, so it could either be a ton or way less than I would imagine.
1: I start my, I'm like off season right now. So I'm just doing, doing different things. I start my training in October. So how many times a week do you think I would run to train for the 400? Oh, running specifically. Yeah. Specifically a track workout or running any kind of running or track workout three to four. And what about strength training? Two to three. Okay. So is that a lot in this grand scheme of things?
0: I guess not really.
1: No. Really. Right. So you have, if I do four, I do four strength training workouts, although I'll taper as season comes and that's an hour a piece. That's four hours a week strength training. That's all the hours in our day all week. It's really not a lot. Right, mm-hmm. um, and my mentor had a great saying. He would say, "If you're in the gym longer than an hour, you're actually making friends, not progress." <laughs> <So he laughs> oh, was, I love that. I love the word efficient because he was very good at being efficient in creating strength. Um, so four hours. Sometimes it goes a little over if I'm, you know, distracted or doing something, or whatever. try to focus, but four hours, and then I run three times a week, and that usually is about. For an hour as well. Sometimes with the warm up and talking, I could be there a little longer, an hour and a half. So that's seven hours wow. of all the hours in the week. I don't know how many hours are in the week. <laughs> seven hours that I'm training. Wow. Now I do have to admit that I am shifting my focus and I'm trying out multi events next year. Oh, exciting! I haven't exciting. Quite totally announced it, but if anybody's watching, <laughs> you get the, they'll get the scoop. Um, and so I have fun fact. I have never long jumped before ever. Right. I have never done the hurdles. Um, I have high jump for, I love throwing shot put, although I'm not, I'm not a thrower, but I love throwing shot put, I'm decent. And then um, uh, running would be uh, indoors is the 800, outdoors is the 200 and the 800. And then there's javelin outdoors. I've never thrown a javelin. Uh, that's not true. I threw some with my client, Maggie Milan, who's the world or the USA record holder, but not, you know, not, I just, I just threw it a couple of times with her um, just to be have fun with her. But I don't know how to throw javelin. Uh, mm. So that's long jump javelin hurdles. I have no idea how to do those things. So why am I doing this? Well, mm-hmm. I want to have fun. And I want to show other people that it's not just genetic. It's not just that I've been you know, a track star my whole life, which is not true. I was a mom for most of my life um, before I got into it. If I can learn it, you can learn it too. If I can learn something new, you can learn it too. So I am looking forward to taking folks along the journey of, you know, making mistakes and then growing from those those mistakes. So the pentathlon is indoors, the heptathlon is outdoors. um, And yeah, that's what I'll be doing next year. So that might take a little more training. So I'll have Mm -hmm. to... Uh, like the other day, we went to the beach. I brought my shot put with me, and I did some standing throws on the beach while I was there. So that's wow. the type of thing I'm going to work in. It's going to have to be a little more structured and serious starting October, but um, I'll work in those events when I can. It's not right. just straight running. But otherwise, how I became a world champion 400-meter runner, I trained seven hours roughly a week. That's That's it. incredible. Sometimes, less okay. as I tapered, and I didn't strength train for a So a That's incredible. I think that, like you said, if you can figure out and become educated on what is the most efficient way to gain that strength, um, and gain that, uh, you know, things that will make you lose fat, a lot of people are interested in fat loss, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you just want to be strong and feel really good and optimal and have that energy mm-hmm. seven hours a week.
0: Wow. That is a massive t- takeaway for, uh, me from this episode, because I, um, I love exercise. I actually do not enjoy days of being sedentary, but, um, that's definitely, I feel like a theme where that's like the first thing to go when someone gets busy. Um, yeah. cause maybe there's this misperception that, you know, and even just not for someone wanting to compete, but, Oh, well, I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And I think most of us would agree if we actually step back, you can make time for that even a little bit, but it's really encouraging to hear that. Um, you're also able to just be as efficient with your time as you are and not have to spend hours and hours. I like, I like what you said. Was it your coach? I think you said, if you're in the gym for longer an hour, you're making friends, not working out. You're making
1: friends, not progress. Yeah, oh, great no one-liner, Charles. You uh, probably can't see the poster. He's in the poster behind me, but
0: that is so great. Um, oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. So if anyone had um, I, I love to credit Charles for so much because he changed my life and he gave me the wisdom to change other people's lives. So I would say most of the things, uh, the foundational things I have learned, I have learned from Charles. And mm-hmm. then um, so look up Charles Pollickan, he's done some podcasts with uh, Tim Ferris and Brian Real. Um so Brian. London Real, Brian Rose, London Real. Um, And those are some really great podcasts to be introduced to Charles and what he taught. Um, uh, And he was just, he was really interesting individual. French Canadian, a little rough around the edges. (laughs) Definitely funny with his one-liners. And he got the class.
0: That's great. Um, That actually kind of segues into something that I did want to ask you about, which is a little bit more leadership focused. Just because he, you know, sounds like a leader in, in your life. And I, wa- I wanted to ask you, when you envision a leader who you truly admire, what are some of the traits and qualities you really value?
1: I love this question. Um, and it's not going to be, I think, the traditional answer of what the definition of a leader might be. I don't know, maybe, but to me, a true leader operates as their authentic self. And most people don't operate from their authentic self. They operate from what they think other people want them to say or do. Mm -hmm. And if you know me, you know, I'm not that girl (laughs) because I will speak up. I speak up for fairness in sports when people tell me, hey, you shouldn't be talking about that. It's controversial. Hey, when did common sense become controversial, I don't have hatred in my heart. This is coming from a place of love. And that's my authentic self. So, right, you're
0: being and, genuine to yourself. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So um, you know, some may see me as a leader in that point of view or a leader in um sprinting as we age. I'm totally going against the brain saying, Hey, don't run marathons. Everyone seems to turn 40. The women turn 40, they train for a marathon. They're like, I actually just had to tell one of my clients, she said, Oh, it's gonna be my I think it, it wasn't 40, it's a like 30 something birthday. I'm going to do a half marathon and I'm like, what? No, <laughs> you can't do this. You have high cortisol right now that you're supposed to mitigate because she has work stress. which is high cortisol already. And this is just going to in- increase the cortisol more because it's too much stress on the body to train that long for endurance. Mm-hmm. Training. But anyway, it was a long discussion, but um, so I'm going against the brain for that. So I'm a, you know, I'm a leader in helping women find their, their hormone balance and their wellness through sprinting instead of, Marathon run, but if I were to pay attention to everything that anyone else said about me or their opinions about me, um, I wouldn't get anything. Done. I would never speak up. I, would ne- I wouldn't even be on this podcast right now. I'd be mm-hmm. you know hiding in my house <laughs> in the corner in the dark, afraid of everything. So with that authentic self, knowing who you are and knowing that you speak the truth, comes um, inspiration for others to do the same. And I really I do you know of course Charles was that person when I said he was a little rough around the edges, but like he was not a warm and fuzzy person to a lot of people. He was like, people would be like, oh yeah, he was a total jerk. And he wasn't a jerk. He was just very honest. Mm-hmm. So if he, if you weren't doing it right, or you weren't doing it according to what produced the results that like he would tell you, like he was definitely, yeah, strict. Um, so I think that operating from that authentic self, creates more truth in the world. And that's what we all need. We need truth and we need honesty.
0: Agree. It's something that we hear a lot. I feel like authentic and being your authentic self is definitely a buzzword right now. But um, I think it's rare that people stop and consider what that actually means. Um, that that, yeah, that, that, that means great, being yeah, yourself.
1: Yeah, great research. If you're like, what does this mean? My authentic self? I don't even know where to begin. Great resource is um, my friend Roxy. She's on uh Instagram is at Roxy Look and she's also on at Black Belt Beauty. That's her brand. Um, And she's basically an empowerment coach and she goes in depth in a lot of her posts and a lot of her um, classes and things like that on how to create this authentic self. So if you don't know which way to go for where do I start with this, um she's a great resource for figuring that out.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Um... One other uh, thing that's just kind of, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this about as it pertains to leadership, because you have all this wellness and nutrition, uh, knowledge and passion. Do you personally feel like your overall wellness, which I understand that's a huge category. Do you feel like that plays a role in your ability to be a leader, whether it's as a mom or, um, with your social media following or with your clients? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um,
0: yes, because when we
1: look at our leaders, we need them to be well in order to make sound decisions. So right now in my mm-hmm. work, our theme is, um, brain enhancement for cognition and performance. Um, so I'm going through all the different amino acids and methods to enhance your brain. Um, Enhancing the brain, yes. So you need to have this whole package of rest and um, good nutrition and, um, you know, maybe some nutrients that you're deficient, you know, trying to be your optimal self, that will encourage others to be their optimal self. And that makes you a leader. So for instance, my clients have now become leaders in their community because they get approached and they say, oh my gosh, like Lauren, you look amazing. What are you doing? And she says, well, I'm uh, making sure I get my sleep and I'm getting light in the morning for my circadian rhythms. And I'm taking the supplements that, you know, my practitioner told me to take and they go, oh, I want to do that, too. I want to look like you do and feel like you do because you're always full of energy. So she has become a leader in the community by being well. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. And plus, when we look at let's look at politicians, you know, we won't name names, but leaders who are feeble. and don't have good cognition are seen as weak, and they're not really actually uh, able to make decisions that are the best for us. Um, you know, of course, they have whole staffs that make decisions anyway. But mm-hmm. if you if you think about that, like think about um, ancient times, and think about the picture of what the leader looks like. Mm-hmm. Usually, they are either really really smart or really really strong and smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say that it's definitely. Uh, important, and don't forget that you can be a leader too. As your listeners, they can be a leader by mm-hmm. taking care of themselves and promoting that message to others.
0: Wow, well, so that I absolutely that love your answer. <laughs> I yeah. I love your answer. I didn't know where you were going to go with that. Um, of course, uh, and I really love that. That it it shows your ability and enhances your ability to make sound decisions. Which, of course, whenever we're going to. If you look to somebody as a leader, you're looking to put your trust in them in some way, shape, or form, and that makes perfect sense to me. Um, but you also, you mentioned um, uh, your warrior community program, which I do want to ask about, and um, definitely, you know, not saving the the least for last or whatever. Um, but I was wondering if you could introduce us to that because um, I haven't really touched on your your business mission oh, specifically okay. yet.
1: That's fine. And, uh, you know, my business is there. I always tell people, like, it's there as a a vehicle to help me inspire others, Mm -hmm. um, help others thrive. And sometimes the financial component comes in that um, people value things more if they have to pay for it. So, um, and, you know, and I, of course, need to make a living like everybody else. But to me, that's not my main focus. Like, it's not the success for me is when people say, um, oh, you've changed my life. I've never felt better in my life or when my clients get pregnant, when they haven't been able to get pregnant. Hmm. That is best. I love that. Um, so yeah, I have my word community. It's uh, in four month segments. So right now we just started September through December and then we'll start January through April. Um, and I have a space that's like Facebook. It's called the circle app and you can put a your own community on it. So it's not censored or anything like that. And I have hmm. different spaces in there like sprinting, Um, strength training, my training log, you get to see what I'm doing for my training exactly. Um, There's recipes, there's a weekly ramble where I talk, like I'm talking to you about the theme or maybe something off theme. I'm just talking to my community. Uh, We do a Zoom question and answer every month. So I get on Zoom and anybody in the community can ask me whatever they want to ask me. Um, And I have different themes every month. So as I said, this month is enhanced brain enhancement for cognition and performance. So I give a lot of references. I also have a library of links. So any research that I've done on these specific topics, I give the links to all the research. Um, So they can read the articles or um, So yeah, that's the community. I give a sprint challenge. So I get three sprint workouts. I get strength training, or not the whole strength training program, but I give one strength training uh, exercise that's beneficial to sprinting specifically. That's great. That answers that question. so a lot,
0: actually. It is very, very broad. And we can um, talk
1: to each other on the app. So we, can all communicate. we can all communicate on this little Facebook-type app.
0: I love that. So you really have cultivated a community, like the name would yes. suggest. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Well, before I you know, ask you if there's anything you want to leave us with, um, I want to just hold up my copy of your book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Uh, Cynthia did not ask me to say any of this, but for those listening, um, you know, yes, you can Google and you can get random running and strength workouts if you want, but I would not recommend that. As someone who has already tried to be super independent and got very hurt from that, needed surgery, and just a number of issues, um, please get this book. Um, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. It's called Faster Over Forty a memoir and training guide, Um, and you can just learn from the workout plans and learn from all the in-depth knowledge that Cynthia puts together in this very, like, fairly pocket-sized, it's very very readable. It's a
1: manual, almost, but packed with important information. Yes. Yes, it is. It's
0: definitely like the type of thing that you can read through, but then you can also just have to reference very concise uh, which I, I think is appreciated um, and kind of just has the the most overarching important points. And it's it's really fantastic. And I'm thankful that you, you wrote it. But do you have anything else that you want to leave us with that I haven't asked about yet?
1: Um, no, I did remember when we were talking about my schedule, one important thing too, and you mentioned getting injured, um, one important thing is that sometimes people do too much. They train mm-hmm. a little bit every day or they'll do like 30-minute runs every day or something like that. And in that schedule of the four days a week of strength training and three days a week of running, I have three days off. So Mm -hmm. I double up, I run in the morning and I strength train later. Uh, We should always wait four to six hours between workouts to do that. Um, So I'll do some running in the morning, strength training at least four to six hours later, if not in the evening. So I do, I double up so that I have a whole day where I'm doing nothing because that recovery is when you repair those muscle fibers that you've torn. So wonderfully, did for. Uh, so, so today, I have an off day today. Um, I, my house guest came and we did the death marcher lower workout yesterday. Speaking about efficiency, we had that done in about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, hmm. It was uh, I do this in my off season. It's a circuit where it's rounds with eccentric tempo, which means you go slow on the way down. Um, and it was absolutely brutal. The front squat has a two-second pause at the bottom. So you're front squatting down for three, and then you hold for two at the bottom, and then you come up. And a lot of people think, oh, s- speed, I have to do explosive cleans and jerks and um, all these Olympic mo- Olympic lift movements. And you see that a lot if you follow sprinter, like elite sprinters or coaches that put coach sprinters. But if you read my book, you'll know as we get older, that slow eccentric of four seconds down, that sort of thing it actually recruits more fast twitch muscle fibers than if you were to do the explosive movements and you're more likely to get injured on those. Wow. Explosive movements. And so it's really important to kind of change the type of mentality we have towards training as we age and incorporate more of that. So we had we had eccentric work. We didn't have a lot of rest. And so I'm sore today. My legs and my hamstrings, I feel are sore, which is great. It means I really tore those fibers. I did a good job challenging myself. And then, um, but basically I won't do anything today. Friday is usually my sauna ice bath day. We do rounds of that. Um, and then I'll pick up a workout again on Saturday. Um, but normally my workout schedule would go, um, run Tuesday morning, lift Tuesday afternoon, off Wednesday, run Thursday, lift Thursday, um, lift Friday, and then off Saturday, Sunday, or sometimes I'll squeeze in another strength training workout Saturday morning and have the whole rest of the day and all of Sunday off. So I guess mm. a long-winded version of this is make sure you're taking at least two recovery days a week, if not three, you're not doing
0: anything. Oh, wow. really good to know. Very good to know. Um, amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for your time. Oh, you. I, for having me. I cannot wait to get the feedback on the takeaways from this episode. And I, again, I really, really just admire the mission you're on. I have your social media in the show notes, all linked. Uh, so everybody, please, please go follow her, uh, especially because I feel like we only scratch the surface for a lot of things. Like, well, um, you know, on
1: Instagram at fast over 40. Yes.
0: Like, so easy to yeah, remember. absolutely. You know, and you definitely, you definitely want to go follow her. Um, if you want to go deeper in the things like why she so passionately recommends sprinting it, over a long distance. Um, she gives a lot of good educational, uh, content for that. Um, but thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for impact, not just on those you work with, but also just, um, with everybody that you are constantly sharing with, uh, so that we can all benefit. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it too.
0: Thank you.